Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at, uh, at FBH, and we are so excited that you're with us, joining us online today. Uh, you heard we got a whole bunch of stuff that we're kicking off uh, in the month of September. We got small groups. We got equipping groups. Um, we have ride and go seek. We have a whole bunch of fun stuff going on. But one thing that I really want to make sure we take a second and highlight is beginning in October 4th, that's a Sunday morning, we are going to begin meeting uh, together every single week outside. So again, that starts October 4th, also the 11th, also the 18th. You can do the math. Um, but beyond that, we will continue to offer services online as well. If you're not yet comfortable meeting together in person, totally okay. We want you to be able to participate online in the same way that uh, people get an opportunity to participate outside. So again, that's beginning October 4th. Stay tuned uh, for more details on that. So now that we got that out of the way, let's launch back into the, uh, the book of Galatians. Um, and, and we have had, really in the book of Galatians, we've had a whole lot of fun talking through this idea that in order to be saved, all you need is faith alone. That's it. That's all you need in order to be saved. It's the idea of Jesus plus nothing. That's been kind of our mantra throughout this entire thing, is that really is Paul's mantra in his letter to the church uh, in Galatians. But as we continue today in chapter 4, we're starting in verse 7. So if you have um, a physical Bible, you can flip to it. A digital Bible, you can tap to to Galatians 4, starting in verse 7. We'll get there in a second. Uh, But the narrative really does kind of change. The narrative changes from Paul kind of defending the gospel of Jesus plus nothing to really an encouragement for believers. Maybe a very strong encouragement, maybe rebuke is a better word uh, for believers. I'll show you what I mean in just a second. But one of the things that I want to get to first is kind of get to a baseline understanding of what I feel like a lot of people really do go through in their lives. Because I think one of the things that, that everybody deals with in some way, shape, or form is this idea of guilt feeling guilty because you didn't do something correctly, feeling guilty maybe because uh, you broke a rule, feeling guilty because you just don't feel like you're good enough. You know, think back to a time maybe in your life where, when, when you felt guilty. You know, maybe when you were in junior high or high school, you, uh, you cheated on a test in some way or you called in sick to work uh, at, at some point. Or maybe even worse, you damaged a friendship. Maybe on that you damaged... A marriage, And because of whatever it is that you did in your past, you feel guilty because of it. You harbor guilt because of that. And as you feel guilty, there's this little voice inside of you. There's this lie that's being perpetuated, uh, really, that tells you that what you did is now who you are. So oftentimes, rather than it just being that you lied, you have now begun to tell yourself that, that you are a liar, You know, there's a weight on your conscience that's saying that you're a liar rather than you just told a lie. You see the difference there? It's a small difference, but it is uh, indeed a difference that we oftentimes go from something that we did to believing that it is something that we are. Or maybe because you looked at a website that you shouldn't have been on. Instead of it just being that you lusted, you are now a deviant. It's, It's no longer something that you did. It is now something that you are. See, what happens in our lives is we, we oftentimes believe that what we have done is implicitly tied to who we are. 
And that's a lie. That is simply not true. Because all of us have our origin story, right? For you, you comic book nerds out there. Uh, I love Marvel. I, I love that, all of that. So I can say nerds and be on solid footing uh, here. But all, everybody, every superhero has an origin story. Everybody had to come from somewhere. All of us at some point have had that superhero moment where because of the fact that you got bit by a radioactive spider, you are now Spider-Man. Okay, all of us have had that. All of us have our baggage. We know where it is that we have come from. I don't care if you've lived the most moral life of anybody since Jesus, you have baggage. Every single one of us do. You came into this relationship with baggage, uh, this relationship with Jesus with baggage, or you have yet to give your baggage to Jesus. Whatever it is, we all have baggage, regardless of the life that you've lived. Every single one of us comes into the relationship with baggage, with baggage. You are indeed damaged goods. Every single one of us are. So as damaged goods, as guilty people, people who are holding on to guilt, as sinful people, Jesus came into the world to die on a cross for our sins. We know that he conquered death. Right? He, he rose again. That's why we get together and celebrate on Easter most years. We didn't get an opportunity to do that this year. Uh, but that's why we celebrate Easter overall. And because of that, as we place our faith in him, we become what's known as justified. That's the theological term for salvation. Justified or justification. Right? So salvation, saved, justified, uh, uh, redeemed, justification, whatever, all of those words really do mean the same thing. But the theological term is justification. We'll come back to that term in just a second. So what we need to understand now, though, is that justification is where the church in Galatia is currently residing. Okay, Paul is writing to them, and they have been justified through their faith. They have been saved through their, uh, through their faith. So these guys had already placed their faith in Christ. They had said yes to Jesus. And then there was this group of teachers who come in, known as the Judaizers. Uh, and they told them they had to do a bunch of other stuff in order to be justified, in order to be saved. So as a reminder, here is a timeline of our need for salvation. Why we need to be saved. This is really how it happened, okay? God created man in his own image, right? All the way back in Genesis chapter 1. God created man in his own image. He says, hey, it, this is very good. Man is the pinnacle of God's creation. And then what happened? Number two, man deliberately disobeyed God, causing sin to come into the world and divide us from God forever. So then we jump to Genesis chapter 3. This is the fall of man, where sin enters into the world, right? Adam and Eve, they eat fruit together. To be fair, Eve ate it first. Thanks a lot, Eve. But, but Eve ate fruit. She passed it on to her husband, Adam. And, and sin entered into the world because they deliberately disobeyed God. And then what we have is in order for our relationship with God to be restored, we need to say and believe our ABCs. That's Romans 10, 9. Okay? So we need to say them and believe them. We need to admit, believe, choose. Admit that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and then choose to follow him. That's how we end every single service here. This really is our recipe of our need for salvation, for justification. This is how we become justified here in step three. So a lot of times, though, 
After, after we pray our ABCs, after we believe our ABCs, we call it done, and we really do kind of just consider ourselves and our faith to have arrived. Think to yourself, oh, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I've arrived, I've done it. Jesus plus nothing, I'm going to heaven. Perfect. So to give f- further clarity on the ABCs and justification, just so we know what we're talking about, justification is the theological term for being saved, we're justified, Right? But the definition is being given right standing before God. So you are in right standing before God. And this is what is required for us to spend eternity with Christ. To be in right standing before God. That we have been given that by Jesus. We have done nothing to earn it. We have been given right standing. Our sins have been justified through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's Good Friday and Easter. That's the story of Good Friday and Easter. And this is good. This is necessary. This is the salvation that evangelical pastors talk about all the time. Being justified. Come to faith in Christ. Pray the ABCs. This is what pastors talk about all the time. But the Galatian church already knows this. They're already aware of what it requires to go to heaven. So if they already know this and Paul has already defended the gospel that he's presented, what is Paul talking about now? Okay, Paul is now making sure these people, these Galatian people don't slide back into the old way of life, their guilty life, the life that they wanted to leave in the first place. This is what Galatians 4, 7 through 11 is all about. This is what it says. So you're no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Those weak and miserable forces. Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years He's talking about the Jewish traditions here, the Jewish laws, all the things that they had to observe in order to make sure they were in right standing with God. Okay, you're observing special days and months and seasons and years. Verse 11, I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So again, Paul has, has shifted his focus from Jesus plus nothing to encouraging these believers to move forward in their relationship with Jesus, to move forward in their faith, to stop looking backwards and begin to look forwards. Paul sounds legitimately fearful for them here. In ho- I, I hope his effort, in hopes that his effort hasn't been wasted because it looks like they want to they turn back from where they came from. They want to turn back for the, to, to the things that they used to do. It looks like they're going to turn back towards the baggage that Jesus had already cleared out and taken care of. And so Paul's like, hey, nope, you need to move forward. You need to move forward. So knowing what the definition of justification is, right, the, the definition of justification that we gave just a second ago is giving right standing or given right standing before God, we need to understand then what Paul is talking about in this passage. The theological term for it is sanctification. Sanctification. Salvation has three major pieces to it. The first major piece is justification. We talked about that. The last major piece is glorification. Those are the two that we talk about most often. You've been saved. You've been made in right standing with God. Glorification. You've passed away. You are in heaven. 
But what comes in between, what comes in between is sanctification. Sanctification meaning being enabled to live as one restored to the creator. Being enabled to live as one restored to the creator. So while positionally speaking, positionally speaking, we have right standing before God as soon as we're justified, as soon as we're saved. Meaning God took care of it. We had to do nothing in order to gain that right standing. Nothing in order to gain that justification. We now need to be enabled to live as someone who has been restored, justified, saved to the creator. So Paul is saying here, don't go back to the trash pile that you came from. Don't go back to to living under the law. Embrace the new life that you have in Christ. Look forward. Stop looking backwards to a life that's better, not because you do better, but because you are slowly but surely removing the layers of believing that you are not defined by what you've done. You are defined by whose you are. You are not defined by what you've done. You are defined by whose you are. So bear with me here. I don't do, I don't do like a lot of, a lot of picture, like object lessons or anything like that. Um, but, but as I was preparing for my message, I saw a pastor do kind of a, an illustration that I thought was phenomenal. Um, and so uh, I'm going to end up looking a little bit, little bit goofy here, but just, just uh, bear with me. So, so uh, let's, let's illustrate this, okay? These strings over here, these things, they're, they're all a part of, of my old life. They're all a part of, of who I used to be, the things that I have done. The lies that I have told myself. Because oftentimes uh, we believe that we have, we believe that what we have done really is who we are. So man, I'm, I'm a liar. And I lied and so because of the fact that I lied, I, I'm now a liar or I'm, I'm dirty. Because of all of the sins that I have in my life or, um, you know, I've, I've looked at pornography and so because of that, I'm a, I'm a pornographer or I'm a, I'm a deviant of some, some sort. And so because of this, this is my old life. These are the things that, uh, that, that really shaped who I am in some way, shape, or form. This is my origin story. This is where I've come from. This is my baggage. But then something, and I've been living this life. This is the life that I've been living with all of this, this stuff attached to me. But then something interesting happens. I get saved. I become justified. So I I become justified. Look, I'm justified. This is my justification crown. This isn't King Peter crown. Peter is not king of this church or anything like that. This is my justification crown. In case you're curious, I would encourage all of you to make your own justification crown. So I'm justified, right? I am in right standing with God at this point in my life. I'm justified. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. Jesus came. He died on a cross. He, he, he rose again. And because of that, he's taking care of all of my sins. I'm justified. I'm in right standing with God. Isn't this great? And then we look and we realize, hold on. I still have my old life attached to me. I still have the, the lies that I've believed about myself attached to me. I still have my, my sin that I continue to wallow in and perpetuate in my life attached to me because when Jesus comes, to, c- comes into our life, 
When we say yes to Jesus, when we are justified, Jesus doesn't grab a pair of scissors and against our will start cutting this stuff away. That's not what Jesus does. See, what happens is Jesus gives us his spirit. And as the Holy Spirit works in our life, we begin to understand that, that these things that I believed about myself, that, that I'm dirty, that I'm a liar, that I'm a deviant, that whatever these strings happen to be for you, he begins to tell you, hey, those things are a lie. That's not who you are. That's not who you are at all. But as long as we continue to hold on to these things, as long as we continue to, to believe that the things that we've done actually define who we are rather than who we are defining or, or whose we are defining who we are, then, man, this is the fruit that we are going to reap in our life. As long as we continue to hold on to our old life, we are going to say, you know what? Hey, I, yeah, I lied. You know why I lied? Because I'm a liar. Or, or yeah, I, I, I looked at some websites I I shouldn't have looked at, but you know why I did that? It's because I'm a deviant. Or yeah, I'm, I'm dirty. You know why I'm dirty? It's because I, I love rolling around in the mud. Like, like that's just who I am. This is just who I am. And as long as we allow this to stay into our lives while we are justified, this is the fruit that we're going to get in our lives. We're going to continue to lie. We're going to continue to sin. We're going to continue to do all of those things. But what Jesus is saying and what Paul is saying here is that when you do become justified and you get to wear your crown of justification, that there's some things that we can do in our life to be able to put on this new life, this new life that God, that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit has given us. So as we begin to, to read our Bibles and dig into to the truth that God has for us, as we begin to, to meet with a group of people who believe the same things that we do, or maybe are in the same stage of life as us, as, as I begin to do those things, or I begin to, to pray earnestly and listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, or as I, as I take a walk outside and just am, 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 I'm amid God's creation, or whatever it is that allows you to feel closer to God, to experience God in a more real way, to, to, to listen to the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be, then something interesting begins to happen. So what begins to happen is as you start to read your Bible, you begin to experience the fact that, man, that's God's, that's God's truth for my life. And, and I'm an heir to the kingdom of God, that, that, that God has made me his heir. And so, man, I'm not... I'm not a liar. I just, I just lie sometimes. Or, or as I decide that I'm going to start, that, that, that I'm praying and I'm petitioning the Holy Spirit in my life, I say, Spirit, lead me to where you would have me go. And he says, hey, you're an, you're an heir of God. And I want you to do even, even greater things than what your sin has, than, than what you have done with your sinful nature. And I realize to myself, man, I'm not, I'm not a deviant I'm an heir to the one and only God, the creator of the universe. Or as I meet with people and they tell me, hey, man, you're not dirty. Man, you're an encourager. I could see that you've spent time with Jesus. And as I simply spend time with Jesus, I recognize that I look a whole lot more like him now than I ever look like myself. 
And as we, as we take these things, as we do these things, and we actively turn from our sin and we shed those things, there's a very, very great word for that. It's called repentance. And we have moved from our old self to our new self. We have become sanctified. We are justified first and then become sanctified, more and more sanctified as we actively turn from our old sin and move towards Jesus, as we move towards God, as we move towards the, the way that the Holy Spirit would have us go. We have a new life in Christ. And then all of a sudden, as we wake up and we do have this new life in Christ because we have been pursuing him we have been moving in that direction. All of a sudden, the fruit of our life looks a whole lot more like the fruit that Jesus had in his. Because we are more and more holy every single day. We are more and more sanctified every single day. And Paul keeps telling the Galatians, hey, don't hold on to that stuff. Look forward. Look to the new life that you have in Christ. Move forward from there. And as you continue to pursue God, and you continue to recognize what he has for you, you become more and more and more sanctified. Does that make sense? I know, like, I know I look like a crazy person right now. Like, I know I'm wearing a crown, and I, got, I, like, I was attached to, like, eight different pieces of yarn for a second. Okay, but I really do feel like this, this illustrates well for us what happens when we become justified and we fail to, to shed that old life that we have in Christ and move forward to what God has for us. So here's the deal. As long as we are on earth, as long as we are continuing to become sanctified, as long as, as we are doing our best to move forward towards Christ, like this is what we do for the rest of our lives. We become sanctified for the rest of our lives. We spend our life shedding the old life, shedding the lies that I am the sum total of the greatest mistakes that I have ever made. And instead embrace the fact that I am an heir of God by becoming more and more sanctified. So the question is then, is that what does this mean for you? What this means for all of us is that we've been believing a lot about ourselves that is simply not true. You've been for, for some time writing off sin that, that you've been struggling with simply because it's, it's who you are. It's just, man, I've always been that way. My favorite is when people talk about, like, why it's okay that they use foul language on a regular basis. Ah, it's just who I am. It's always what I've done. No, it's not. You're a new creation in Christ. Become sanctified. Let no unholy talk, no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I'm pretty sure the Bible's clear on that. And so we need to continue to move forward and stop living with the excuse that it's just who I am. No, Paul tells the Galatians, hey, stop being who you were. Stop turning back to who you were and move towards God. So today I would ask two questions. I would have you ask two questions of yourself. The first question I would have you ask of yourself is, have you received justification through faith yet? Have you placed your faith in Christ? Have you, have you done that? Have you been saved? If you haven't, right now, we're going to pray the ABC. So you are justified. So you're justified and you have a right standing before God. So when you get to glory, when you die, you go to heaven. So why don't you bow with me and we're going to pray right now. The ABCs. Heavenly Father, God, we recognize that we are a sinful people, but we also recognize that we are not merely the sum total of our poor decisions, our, the mistakes that we've made in our lives. 
That's not who we are. And God, I admit, though, that I have sinned. I admit that I have baggage. I admit that I'm bringing baggage into this relationship with you. God, I admit that, and I need you in my life. And I, and, and I believe, Father, that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. So I could indeed be, be justified. And see, I would choose to follow you every single day. That I would choose to, to slowly but surely shed my old life. That I would leave my old life behind me and begin to pursue righteousness as I choose to follow you every single day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you, play, if you prayed that along with us, if you prayed that with us, welcome to the family of God. We're pumped for you. We're excited for you. But I also want you to know that you have not yet arrived. Actually, that's one of the realities of, of being a Christian and living for Christ is that actually none of us get an opportunity to arrive until after we're dead. That sounds like a really gruesome way <laughs> to be able to say that. But none of us have, have, have arrived the process of sanctification is every single day we wake up and choose to follow Jesus. So the second question I would ask of everybody, if you've already placed your faith in Christ or not, of everybody is what lies are you still believing about yourself? Even though you are an heir to the one and only creator of the universe. What lies? What do you need to shed today in order to move forward with following Jesus to the greatest capacity that you possibly can. I want to take a second. I want you to identify what those are as we pray. So bow with me again. Heavenly Father, God, we know that oftentimes we feel like our identity is wrapped up in the decisions that we've made, whether they're bad decisions or good decisions. God, that we aren't the sum total of our decisions. We're way more than that. You, in verse 7, in Galatians 4, you called us your heirs, that we are your sons and daughters, that we were created for so much more than to simply be a sum total of decisions that we've made. And God, so I would just, I would pray right now as people are thinking about what it is that, that they have believed in their life, that, that this is just who I am, this is who God has created me to be, that that's not true. God, that we recognize that, that we are yours. That our identities aren't wrapped up in what we've done, but our identities are wrapped up in whose we are. And so, God, I pray that, that whether we believe ourselves to be liars or deviants or, or greed, greedy or whatever it may be, God, that we would recognize that we would actively be shedding those things as we move towards righteousness. Father, allow us to see our blind spots. Allow us to recognize the things that we believe that are not true. And they're not true because we've been redeemed by you. It's by nothing that we have done. It's simply because we have been redeemed by you and we choose to believe the good news that you have for us every single day. Father, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So in all of this, we need to recognize that the faith that we have in Christ is a journey.
we are continuing to move forward. Whether you placed your faith in Christ for the first time today or you've been following Jesus for the last 70 years, you know, we know that this is a journey we need to move through because we've never arrived. And so we spend our lives becoming more like Jesus every single day, knowing we won't get there until we're glorified on the other side of eternity. And part of what we do to be able to, to recognize and part of what we need to do to remember that Christ died in order for us to be justified so we could get to sanctification is that we celebrate in the act of communion. At, at First Baptist, we, uh, we believe in what's called an open table, meaning that you don't have to be a member of our church in order to partake of communion. You simply need to have placed your faith in God. You simply need to have been justified in order to do so. So what's going to happen is I'm going to pray here in just a second, and then Kyle and the band, they're going to they're play a song. If you haven't yet gotten your communion elements ready, now's your opportunity to do so. Go grab some crackers or bread or whatever it is that you have. Grab some water or any kind of juice, whatever it may be. The elements don't matter. It doesn't matter what they're made up. It, it, it really does matter just that, that we are memorializing. We are remembering what Christ did on our behalf. So I'm going to pray. We're going to go into some music, and then we'll partake of communion together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for who he is. Thank you for what he's done in our lives. Thank you for the fact that he was sent to the cross to die on our behalf. God, the idea of sanctification is a difficult one because this is the opportunity that we have to, to live correctly according to your word, the opportunity for us to be able to become more holy, not just by the things that we do, but the things that we believe, that we get an opportunity to break old ties that we have with our old life and that we would now remember that that your son came and died on a cross so we had the opportunity to do so. That those sins, that old life, it was already covered. It was already atoned for. That your son already took care of it. But we still need to continue to pursue you every single day so we can shed that old life and move towards him. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.